0: Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL Podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Oh, he fumbles the ball, and Luck
1: is there to pick it up, and go over the goal line! Roger scrambles Luck, winds up
0: right he's got time of the 10 to the 5! To the end zone! Touchdown, Darren Sprooge! Touchdown, Eagle! This is the Woot and Why Podcast, talking all the NFL, now here's your hosts, Woot and Why. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why show. I am Josh Y, and as I said earlier on in the week, Josh is away down in the south coast. If you're friends with him on Facebook or follow him on Instagram, you could see some of his happy snaps frolicking in the sand and sun down in a place called Huskisson south coast, beautiful New South Wales here in Sydney, or oh, not in Sydney, in Australia. But uh, luckily for, for me, I have a, a brilliant co-host, and all the feedback this week's just been about how good R.J. Ochoa is, R.J. Ochoa, more R.J. Ochoa, like, you know, a compliment my way would be nice, but obviously that's what the people want, and he's back on the Back on the show, and I'm going to put his Twitter handle f- straight off the bat, because we've got a couple of questions asking it, because it was at the back end of the show. Really, you should be listening the whole way, but that's fine. At RJ at Show, you can follow him on Twitter, and he's back on the show, and uh, it's always a pleasure having you on.
1: Hey, man. Uh, really enjoy it. Really appreciate the feedback, by the way, to everyone that reached out. It's very kind, very heartfelt. And um, I know that Woot is on the South Coast, uh, but you know, I'm I'm in South Texas. And so, you know, I know where if, I'd rather uh, be. Yeah, I'm southbound and making it happen still. So that's all I'm saying. Come on, and you know, you know just enjoy for, the vacation.
0: And for the south theme, my franchise is heading deeply south into the ether. That's true. So, that's <laughs> which true. that's very true. <laughs> which we'll get to. Uh, we'll get to uh, in the show. In the news, plenty of news to to run through. But uh, you know, your pull on this show is phenomenal. I even got emails this week from people asking about you it was uh, it was phenomenal but uh championship weekend, one of the biggest weekends of of the NFL season is ahead of us and we've got two block buster matches and obviously the winner of those will meet in the Super Bowl, which is the the grandest stage of them all but looking past that is the off season. What's on the agenda for for you in the off season, uh, Mister Ochoa?
1: Well, I uh, you know you and I were talking off air. I'm a big reader, and uh, I got a lot of books for Christmas. Um, you know, I got the new Mike Freeman Ken Stabler book. I'm really excited to dive into that. Um, I got the Michael McCambridge book on Chuck Noel, Really excited to pour into that one. Um, you know, obviously going to get a uh, a few Netflix shows under uh, under my belt, and um, what you know,
0: you, what's on the agenda? What are you binge watching?
1: Well, I uh, you know, when I when I do some writing, I like to have something on that I've seen before, just so it doesn't you know, it'll distract me if I haven't. So currently, I'm rewatching How I Met Your Mother. So that's something I'm doing right now. But I'll probably cruise through. I'm thinking uh, either The Office again, oh, or um, you know. I, uh, I I didn't give it a chance last year just because everybody else uh, was into it. But Last Chance You is on my list uh, to get done, and it's a tradition for me every summer, like the springtime. I rewatch Entourage, so I'm pretty excited for
0: that. <laughs> I rewatched Entourage uh, last uh, last year in 2016. Uh, obviously, we're in, only freshly in the new year, so I rewatched that. I'm currently binge watching Ray Donovan. I don't know if you've watched that on Showtime.
1: I have not, but you are you're kind of a showtime connoisseur.
0: Yeah, Dexter's. is a, I'm a big fan of Dexter and so I don't know, shameless. Shameless? Right? I love shameless. Yeah, and you mentioned The Office. That's that's my favorite show uh probably of all time. I, I love The Office. It's a it's an absolute uh necessity. I've got all of them on DVD, all of them saved on streaming devices everywhere. So uh that's something I could definitely binge watch in the off season. I'm not much of a reader though, but so I might have to Dig in. maybe the maybe it's because I haven't been reading. Like I've I've read a few football books, but maybe I need to get into a bit more of that. That might uh, that might help me out. Sort of when the topic is something I'm really into.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you the last time I read a non-football book or a, a fictional book. Actually, I, I read North Dallas Forty a few years ago, which is technically still a, a football book, but it's fiction. Um, but yeah, there's some good football books, man. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll I'll hook you up with a list. We'll get it going.
0: We'll see how we go. I'm currently reading, you know, sometimes on the train, it's called The Fabric of the Cosmos. It's like, it's about time and space and the concepts of that. I always find that fascinating. I I just, the topic of time and and space, like movies like Interstellar and and Donnie Darko and things like that always fascinates me. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get a list together and listeners, if you have any, suggestions on what to read or what to watch in the offseason hit us up now's the time because we can start uh, putting them in order for where you know the post Super Bowl hangover and away we go but obviously in the back end of of uh, the offseason is is fantasy preparation and I want to give a shout out to a guy called Craig uh, who has helped us with our fantasy leagues this season that we ran Witten y fantasy leagues congrats to all the winners. Uh, we will be paying out all the money for the prizes on, on those leagues just after the Super Bowl. It's just pretty chaotic right now with the, with shows and woot away and things like that. And, and we up our uh, preparation for the Lunar Bowl. We've got plenty of meetings and things going on. So please be patient and we will forward you that money straight after the Super Bowl. Uh, anything else before we get into the news, RJ?
1: Uh, I will say you kinda reminded me when you were talking whatever the, the name of the book was. It's I don't know what it is, but it sounded incredible. Yep. Uh another sh- another show I loved that now I decide I want to rewatch Community. And uh that was that was one of my all time favorite shows and so you just inspired me. I don't know why that's what I thought of, but I'm gonna rewatch <laughs> that.
0: I, I liked the first couple of seasons of Community and then it lost me. Same with How I Met Your Mother. I gave up on that. Um it's just like, you know, surely these kids are getting restless on the couch by now, you know, why their dad's telling them all these ridiculous stories. I, I, I just got a bit over it. I find like the best, the best shows are like four or five seasons long and that's it. Uh, sometimes they yeah. just, they just drag on too long.
1: That's true. You got to get out while it's hot. That's when most people make the mistake of just holding on too long. Even the office a little guilty of that, but, yep. uh, but like, like Breaking Bad got out while it was hot. You exactly. Know?
0: And you know, prison break, like how many more prisons can you freaking break out of?
1: It's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why the the fact that they ever went beyond a first season astounds me. Yeah. He broke out. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that's it.
0: Call it prisons break, not prison break. Let's yeah, exactly. Let's just get into the news. All right. Uh, the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, have officially filed relocation paperwork for their proposed move to Las Vegas. This has been expected for quite some time, but now it's official. So 24 of the 32 owners have to approve the move. And if that is the case, the Raiders will move to Las Vegas in time for the 2020 season, or they hope to be. Uh, But, you know, you know, stadiums never really run behind unless you're in uh, South America or something preparing for the Olympics. But let's uh, be honest here in Vegas, it'll it'll be built. But the Raiders, they hope to play in a $1.9 billion stadium financed by... Uh, in part by casino magnate Sheldon Elderson and the Clark County hotel tax revenue. So that's what they're hoping to fund it. Um, So uh, even if they are approved for relocation, they plan to play the next two seasons in Oakland as the Oakland Raiders. So that's the, that's the current state of uh, the Oakland Raiders in the NFL, three possible moves in, in the space of three years.
1: I have to say, I mean, I'm a big NFL history aficionado. And at first you know, I don't. I don't mind the Rams moving. In fact, they belong in L.A. Cool. I don't really care about the Chargers. Not really affecting me. And so, at first, I was like, "Okay, Raiders, you need to stay." You know, you're the you're the Oakland Raiders. But I've seriously warmed to this. Uh, the Vegas Raiders just, you know, it, it just reeks of of Al Davis, and I, I just I like it. I, I'm I'm rooting, but it is awkward. How they would be sort of the temporary Oakland Raiders. I don't like that. There's this this weird sense, you know, surrounding this whole you know thing. It's it's a weird drama type thing, and and that particular element I'm not stoked about. It's
0: uh it is a little bit weird that, and I feel bad for the Raiders fans. This gets announced on the 15th year anniversary of uh of Tuck, you know, the Tuck Rule game where Tom Brady got gifted a, a playoff win and ultimately a ring. Um, that's, and a an, dynasty. A, that's another topic to, to go down, but it, you know, that the Raiders have been crying out for a decent team and success and they finally got it. Now they're going to ship up and move to Las Vegas. Now I'm with you. I, I like a team in Vegas. I think it's cool. But why don't the Chargers just go to Vegas then? Why don't Oakland stay in Oakland? LA is the Rams and the Chargers are in Vegas. What's, what's wrong with that? I think that's probably a, a better avenue from my point well, of view anyway. And-
1: you're right and because that appeases to oakland keep because oakland at least wants the raiders you know it seems like nobody really wants the chargers and um you know while the vegas raiders does ultimately sound cooler than anything else if you put the chargers there you know what's vegas it's the city of lights you know what i mean like it just makes sense from Mm -hmm. a literal standpoint to put the chargers there in my opinion
0: yeah so Obviously, we have got to wait for the vote, but it's all you know. It's more and more looking likely that it's heading down that route, and you, you feel. How sort of, would you vote
1: if you if you on the Colts? How oh, would you vote?
0: Boy, uh, let me put myself in the mind of Jim Irsay. It's just uh, it's such a rough place to be. Uh, 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 I don't even know how Jim Irsay would think. I, I honestly don't know what he's thinking right now. Uh, well, if, I, if, think, if I, I was think, on, I'd probably I, vote no. I'd say let's revamp their stadium
1: i am voting yes i think because that's you know there's so much made about moving to los angeles and how it's the second biggest media market in america and that's true and now there's two nfl presences there cool what is oakland bringing you if you're a a non-california nfl owner the money available to you your piece of that pie becomes larger if the if the Raiders or whoever are in Vegas, and that's why I think I'm voting in approval.
0: And I, I guess they're going to have to. There's there's also uh, I didn't even think of this until you you were speaking. Is a league wide effect in having a team in Las Vegas where it's legal to gamble would have a ripple effect across the entire NFL. I think it would change the way the NFL is, and that's something that the owners have to consider. And that might be something that would benefit them because you could see, and, you know, a lot of clubs down here are sponsored and affiliated with betting companies and whatnot. It's, a, it's you know, sports fans, that's what they do. It's part of the, the commercials and the advertising down here. It could be something that, that actually helps, you know, the owners make even more money, and it's something that would probably help them. So that's another aspect to look at.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I think about, I think it was the 2007 NBA All-Star Game was in Vegas, and that was complicated, but you sort of, you know, have a monopoly on professional sports in that, you know, land of entertainment and, and think, you know, people thought, well, Los Angeles, all the celebrities will be going to every game. Think about the number of celebrities that stroll through Las Vegas. I mean, it's a big thing. And to your point, the ripple effect, the betting element, then I think, you know, DraftKings kind of comes back into play and things like that. I mean, it it becomes a big sort of money-making opportunity that if you're, you know, if you're there and, you know, get you some of that money.
0: I would definitely go back to Vegas if I know I get to see an NFL game. So it's big for tourism as well. But uh, we'll wait and see. And, you know, I mentioned Jim Irsay before. The reason I was putting myself in the mind of – in in his mind is because he has been – you know, to and froing, ing and, and trying to work out what he's doing with his franchise, but ultimately he has no idea, I think, what to have for breakfast or what to do for his uh, franchise. So ESPN's Adam Schefter reported last week that Colts owner Jim Irsay attempted to hire ESPN analyst John Gruden. The rumors have been around since the end of the season, and also there's also reports that Peyton Manning was uh, scoped out to be the general manager of the Colts as well. So it pretty much sounds like Jim Irsay wants to make a change, but he doesn't not want to sack Chuck Pagano or Ryan Grigson before making an additional hire. I feel like he sees Pagano as like a safety net. Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. There was an article by uh, the Colts Authority website uh, this week, but it was by a, a guy who claimed to have known sources, and he pretty much said that Ryan Grigson's the reason that we don't have John Gruden is that Irsay... Uh, was told by Gruden that he he wants his own general manager and he would fire Ryan Grison and Jim Ursay said no um which just seems completely crazy to me
1: Well, let me first say that my heart hurts for you, buddy all right uh, I get it. this is weird all right this is a lot to process all right so I'll talk you off the ledge if I need to but this is the ultimate Jim Ursay thing to do because. Every offseason or, you know, every coaching hire cycle, it, it, John Gruden's name comes up. Oh, you know, he's he's thinking about getting back into it. He's ready to walk out of the booth. And it happens every year. And every, every year we get a little bit, you know, a little bit more beyond it. Because it's been forever since John Gruden was in the NFL. But it, it's just such a Jim Hersey thing to do. You know, like, I can be the one to to get John Gruden out of the booth. I, I can be the one. I have the golden ticket and Andrew Luck. And now this is just really embarrassing. And now, you know, how do you feel if you're Chuck Pagano? How do you feel if you're Ryan Grigson? You know, it's dysfunction. It just feels, and I hurt for you here, it just feels like we're going to be here a year from now. And Grigson and Pagano are both are going to have been fired and no one's going to want this job. Um, The only enticing thing about it will be Andrew Luck
0: who is nursing a shoulder surgery and played the entire 2016 season with a lingering shoulder issue that happened in 2015. And this is part of the reason why I want Pagano fired. He actually trotted Andrew Luck out for a meaningless game in Week 17 and let Andrew Luck drop back to pass 40 times, knowing that he had that shoulder injury. Uh, he requires surgeries back. He'll be back in July so that's fine. But just the amount of risk that they took on Andrew Luck this year is crazy. And you're right, Jim Ursay just, instead of making a smart hire or, or, or putting someone in the right spot, he just chases these flashy names and wants to be a, a star in his own mind and, and just be the, the bell of the ball. It, it's just, your face is red enough, you're already the center of attention. Just it, it, It's just so frustrating. It really is like we're the Browns, but we have Andrew Luck.
1: Man, I, you know, that's kind of an overdramatization, but it's, you know, I, I can, I can understand that to a degree. I mean, th- this is almost, a, I mean, at least now, if you remove the Andrew Luck factor, obviously a little bit worse because
0: yeah, at so. least the
1: Bra- at, le- at least the Browns say, okay, well, Hugh Jackson, hey, maybe he's the guy, the players have kind of bought in, but you're feeling stuck. You know, you're, you're stuck under Jim, you're stuck under Chuck, you're stuck under Grixon it's just a a, you know you're trapped and this is uh you're right to trot Andrew Luck out there to have him throw as many times as he did the only redeemable qualities about that team for me are Andrew Luck and I didn't credit him properly enough but T.Y. Hilton that's it
0: Mm. it
1: is it really is and and it's a shame because you know so much is made about the wasting of the you know, prime years, the golden years of Andrew Duck's career. But not only are you wasting that, you're wasting the golden years of a division that is yours for the taking. That, that division is a free playoff ticket every year. And all you have to do is get into the playoffs every year and and you have a shot. I mean, we talked, you know, the last show about how Tom Brady has seemingly had that his whole career. At some point, you have to imagine just off of odds that the AFC South is going to become substantial. And maybe when that happens, even if the Colts get there, everyone has floated to the top and you no longer have the edge.
0: Exactly. And, you know, once uh, Marcus Mariota and, uh, and uh, I don't know about Blake Bortles, but uh, the Texans are uh, the, the Titans are a rising, you know, rising team in this division, and they're going to be one that's going to take take this division and, and take it by the throat. And the Colts are going to left wailing here because Jim Irsay is trying to make these flashy moves instead of just saying, "All right, we'll we'll take uh, Kyle Shanahan, and then we'll uh, you know sack Ryan Grigson and promote uh, Jimmy Ray the third, the guy that." That, that took Antonio Gates and, and Ladanian Tomlinson for the Chargers back in the day, and the 49ers brought in for an interview. Obviously, he's someone that people project as a good GM. Let's just roll with that. I, it just it just pains me. Over the last four years, uh, Ryan Grigson's drafted. Uh, I'm just trying to work it out here. He's, he's drafted three starters out of two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve draft picks. Only three of them are starters, quality starters, or on the roster. Henry Anderson, Clayton Gathers, and David Parry. It happened to be from one one class that he hit on. It's just yeah. mind-numbingly silly. And then maybe some of those players didn't work out as well because Chuck Pagano, you know, supposed to be a defensive coordinator, our defense has arguably arguably got worse since he's arrived.
1: Yeah, I, you know, if if I in my own you know lineage, obviously you're you're a little bit more intimately attached to the Colts than I am. But you know, the the point. Where everything sort of fell off was the drafting of Philip Dorsett, because and at that point you sort of felt like that was overindulgence. It was, wait, what are you doing? You know, what you, you don't, you can't have a hundred track stars on, on the field at once, and that hasn't really materialized, and everything else is falling apart around that, and and now you're just stuck. I mean, it, it's there, there's no. Vision uh, in this organization.
0: It is. It's. It is extremely frustrating. But uh, we'll uh, we'll digress and move on. Uh, I mentioned Kyle Shanahan. NFL Networks. Mike Silver reports that Shanahan's almost certain to accept the 49ers offer to become their new ho- head coach. Reports earlier this week had uh, McDaniel's as the preferred choice, but he bowed out of the search, and obviously now they see Shanahan as as the guy. Obviously, he can't accept until the Forty Nine uh, the Falcons' season. Is over, But all signs point to him being the the new uh, head coach in San Fran. And, look, many people were surprised, like, why would you take that job? You know, it's it's a mess, and that front office is a mess. It's, it's very similar to the Colts. But I think they've got the number two overall pick. There's a clean slate there on what Shanahan can do. He can go in and decide whether he wants to keep the current quarterbacks, bring in one of the free agents. There's a lot of quarterbacks hitting free agency this offseason. Or he can pick his preferred guy to run his scheme, At the number two pick that he believes confidently in. And if it doesn't work out, everyone knows how crap that roster is. He has an excuse. You know, that's it. You know, it wasn't quite my best go. Uh, I'll go back to being a coordinator and then give it another go. Sort of like a Jack Del Rio, what he's, you know, revitalized his career in Oakland.
1: You know who the real genius here is? Is Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels (laughs) has, has learned from his mistake in Denver, and he is the true genius here. Now, I understand that I'm saying what I'm about to say with the liberty of not having to make these incredibly difficult decisions that lots of things revolve around. But I think that Josh McDaniel's learned to exhibit patience and to take the job that sets you up properly for the future. I don't think that the 49ers job does that in this situation because you're right. It's not just that the roster's a mess. It's the front office is a mess. They're going on their third coach in as many years after, you know, a pretty legendary dude decided to walk off kind of on his own, you know, accord. Yep. And so Kyle Shanahan should take a page out of Josh McDaniels' playbook on this one. He's got Matt Ryan. And I mean, because if you're and, you know, I understand the NFC South is a little bit competitive. The Panthers probably come back. Bucks look good. Saints, whatever. But if you're Kyle Shanahan, you've got this reputation working for you. Matt Ryan's probably going to win MVP. You come back. You do it again. Maybe next year, a different job opens up for you. And that's why Josh McDaniels is smart, because if you and I are right to the point we were making a minute ago, that at some point Chuck Pagano gets fired That's the job I want if I'm Josh McDaniels. I want to attach myself to a quarterback and to an offense where I have an ability to succeed because I am this prowess-filled offensive coordinator. I don't want to go somewhere where I don't have the ability to to do anything because Mm -hmm. everything around me is garbage. But it is cool because, you know, Mike Shanahan obviously lots of success as the 49ers offensive coordinator at one point in time. So I like the lineage. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I I can see that point, but I I can see if Shanahan actually goes in and does a really good job and 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 repairs this offense and turns the 49ers around not just in, overnight, but obviously it's a it's a you know, a one or two season job here then he's going to be labeled a hero and 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 really show that he is a truly truly great coach and I guess the upside there is is worth it. And even if he does get fired at the end of the year, he'll be snapped up as an offensive coordinator in a heartbeat at any location because people know what he can do with a proper quarterback.
1: Sure, but what's the larger likelihood if you're Kyle Shanahan here? You go to San Francisco and have success to the point that you're a hero – or you have enough success again with Matt Ryan and the Falcons offense to the point that you're a head coaching candidate a year from now, once again, with the ability to, you know, have a little bit more options at your disposal.
0: Yeah. I, I guessing the last one, but you know, he may, uh, I was really tempted to say, you or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Uh, um, yeah.
1: And, and you know, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, it's, it's hard to turn that down. And so I get it, yeah, but you know, yeah, Josh, every, Josh every, McDaniels,
0: I still, I still don't know about him as a head coach. I just, the, what happened in Denver, and it wasn't just he failed, it was just a colossal he, up, like of of the 10th degree. It was just he, a monumental disaster.
1: He's going to be your head coach in a year. I know, and Why? I don't know
0: how I'm going to feel about that. All right, let's, <laughs> let's move on before I start crying. Uh, the uh, CBS, the CBS. No, CBS's Jason Larkin Forer, uh, whether you like him or not, he's reporting the Browns have made significant progress in contract talks with impending free agent Jamie Collins has been confirmed by Mary Kay K-Bot, and they're expected to finalize a deal by the weekend. So uh, part of the reason that Collins was ousted from New England was because he was demanding a a huge uh, price tag and thinks that he's worth it, and the Browns will give that to him because they can afford it, and they need as many playmakers as they can get.
1: I think this is Jamie Collins accepting what life has dealt him. Jamie Collins is the Josh McDaniels – excuse me, the Kyle Shanahan of three agents. Look, (laughs) you know, this place sucks, but I have a chance to be paid. I have a chance for some supreme individual recognition. Um, Hey, let's party. There's a target here. You know, I can make it work. That's Hmm. pretty much just the philosophy, I think, uh, of Jamie Collins. There's a Cleveland
0: Uh, tax. Like, you you get 20% extra because you have to play in Cleveland.
1: Exactly. I mean – Look, this this roster is a disaster. I mean, this team is a disaster, and um, I think there's a lot of public perception about Jamie Collins, especially after a guy like Bill Belichick casted him off. And so, yeah, if you're Jamie Collins, get paid, enjoy life, and uh, <laughs> you know this 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 is just a job. You know what I mean? That that's all this is. If yep. you're Jamie, it's it's just a job, and he was transferred to the Cleveland branch.
0: Yep. <laughs> um. I I don't think this is Browns roster. I think in a year from now, when Collins is thinking, oh, I've got to play with Cleveland, I think he'll be f- feel so much better about his situation in a year from now. I'm, you know, I, there's all the talk is that Buffalo is going to move on from Tyrod Taylor. I, I would love to see Tyrod Taylor with Hugh Jackson in Cleveland, and then the Browns can load up at, at early on in the draft at defense, and, and they have so many picks, or they can even trade down if they if they don't need a quarterback and, and stockpile more picks. I feel like this front office is slowly getting it right. I don't think their free agent class, their draft class this year was a complete disaster. Corey Coleman was really good. He just had a few injuries, and they got some some good stuff out of Ogbar and and, and players like that. So I, I don't know if it's a complete show. I, I just think they're going to get a lot better fast.
1: That's that's fair. And you know what? If you're Jamie Collins and you know the front office is telling you, "Hey, Miles Garrett's coming to town." Hey, you know. Things are things are looking up a little bit for you, but um, you know this is kind of like you know when Holly was transferred to Nashua in the office. That's what this is. Yep, Jamie Collins is Holly. That's all it is.
0: Yeah, <sighs> that's a great analogy. I-, I love that.
1: All right, Adrian <laughs>
0: Peterson said he was uh, he. This is the last little bit of news before we preview championship weekend. So just. You know, get excited! Just uh, oh my god! Stay okay, it's happening. I play this office drop. What's the right so? everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay, stay calm. Everybody Everybody down. Calm down. Had to play that office drop after uh, branch movements. Nashua, Holly, you got mentioned. Last little bit of news: Adrian Peterson said he's interested in playing for the Texans, Bucks, and Giants. He's still under contract with the Vikings, but there seems to be little hope that he remains with the team next season. He's owed 18 million in salary and bonuses including a $6 million roster bonus due on March 11th. There's also little chance any team trades for him, given his injury history and his age. So that means Peterson should uh, be a free agent and be there available for the picking. So they're the three teams he mentioned. And I remember distinctly having you on, RJ, about a month or so ago when I think Josh was unavailable for for some reason. And Adrian Peterson was on the news and or in the news and uh we mentioned landing spots, and I, I believe you mentioned the Giants.
1: I did, yeah. It it, it felt like a dot um, that's quite easy to connect for some time, and and, and I also believe that uh, our uh, our fellow friend and your countryman Lori Huresh, uh had mentioned it at one point in time as well. Somewhere I saw it. It it just makes too much sense not to happen. Honestly, I know he's he's down with the Texans and Bucks, whatever. But the Bucks just invested in Doug Martin a season ago. I know he's dealing with the suspension that'll, you know, carry over to the beginning of the season. Uh, and But the Texans just invested in Lamar Miller. I just – I can't see either one of those teams, um, you know, sort of accommodating him and in, in the wherewithal that would come with that. The Giants make so much sense, and it's terrifying. But – it's kind of rubbing me. I hate to be like this get off my lawn guy, but it's kind of rubbing me the wrong way that Adrian Peterson is openly, you know, demanding almost who he wants to play for when he currently plays for the Minnesota Vikings.
0: Yeah. And also he hasn't really performed in, in very, very long time. Like you are not the Adrian Peterson that we all know and love.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not saying this at all, but you know, if I'm Paul Perkins, and Paul Perkins was twenty eight, I believe. I'm. I don't know that if Adrian Peterson comes to town, that I'm just like, here, you can have this. You know, I, I don't know that I'm ridiculously intimidated. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying Adrian Peterson's some scrub or anything, but you know, if if I'm the New York Giants, I want to see how this draft falls. If Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette are potentially falling to me or something, because. I mean I don't know that I want to invest in Adrian Peterson at this point in time especially you know he's he's a big question mark just like Tony Romo in terms of we haven't really seen him in a long time.
0: Yeah, exactly. And this this time this period is probably the worst time you want to be a free agent running back. This this draft class of running backs is is really really strong and mm-hmm. you know I'm thinking of Eddie Lacy as well uh, heading into free agency because the Packers are not re-signing him or if they are it's going right. to be for you know half the money that Eddie Lacy thinks he's going to get. Um, because he's been outplayed by Ty Montgomery. But it's just a terrible time when you have your Leonard Fournette and your Christian McCaffreys and your Dalvin Cooks and even your Jamal Williams from BYU and and players like that heading into this draft. It's the worst time. But you know who's probably going to overspend Fadrian Peterson? The Colts. You know know uh, it's coming.
1: Yeah, I mean... I, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he's just Frank Gore part two. And then it's, you know, Adrian Peterson, Andrew Luck. That'd be be cool fantasy team, but I I don't know this, you know, Adrian to the Giants does seem very likely. Um, But, you know, Adrian Peterson's kind of annoying, honestly. I mean, it it wasn't two years ago when DeMarco Murray was a free agent. It was, oh yeah, I I wouldn't mind playing for the Cowboys. Shut up. You play for the Vikings, you know, just (laughs) accept
0: it. Yeah, and you're and you're a pretty bad guy, from all reports, and you know.
1: Yeah, and and if honestly all the court reports it, as well. If I'm the Vikings, though, aside from all that, this is kind of a bummer because they're hosting the Super Bowl next season, and you would like to have some semblance of star power um, behind your team, and you don't even have Teddy Bridgewater. You know, who knows what that status is going to be? That'll be a real interesting thing, you know, as the season draws closer. But to lose him after you already lost him he's played not even a full game in that brand new stadium that's a shame
0: it is it is a shame and uh we'll uh, we'll move on and we'll wait and see that's one of the you know big names of free agency there's plenty of big names in free agency uh it's going to make things fun the NFL uh, cycle never ever stops but let's uh let's get to the main event and that's previewing this week's championship games. This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill faster easier betting all right we'll start with green bay at atlanta the nfc championship game the total game score is set at 60 and a half which is one of the highest ever it's uh it's at sixty and a half and a half at some books 61 at other at other books he's sixty and a half and a half at william hill and it's the highest the highest is 61 and a half which is st louis at san fran in 2000 2001 and the highest Previous playoff was 59.5, Detroit at New Orleans in 2012. So if it does start at 60.5, it's going to be the highest game total in uh, playoff history. That's from Covers.com. But the spread is Atlanta minus 5.5 at $1.91. They're obviously the home team and in Green Bay, plus 5.5 at $1.91. What's your uh, initial thoughts on, on this game, RJ?
1: Well, my initial thoughts is I'm sad that my team's not playing in it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I uh, after I get over that little self-loathing, I, you know, five and a half is a large spread in, in a playoff game because in theoretically you're dealing with two supremely talented teams. Um, but this Atlanta Falcons offense is redonkulous. And five and a half is... I mean, that's a touchdown. I mean, you know, I just, I think that that is a gift. And I think the Falcons are going to eviscerate the Packers. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game, but I think they're just going to just pour it on throughout this contest. It's just going to be too much. They're going to drown the Packers in points. And so, I mean, I'm, I'll am i take that all day long, and I'll run away with it like Taylor Gabriel, you know, down the sidelines like he's going to do on Sunday. Uh,
0: exactly. It is. It is a huge, uh, not a huge, but it is, it is a, a peculiar line. Five and a half is firmly in the Vegas zone. It is lingering around that touchdown mark. Uh, I, I am going to lean towards taking Green Bay plus five and a half. I feel like this is going to be a field goal game to me. Um, but if I am expecting like the range of outcomes, I think it, it'll either be a Green Bay sort of small win or Atlanta small win or Atlanta will run away with it. I I feel like of the two teams, Atlanta is the more likely to to run away with the game, and the spread obviously um, relates to that. But I'm taking Green Bay plus five and a half. But in terms of this game itself, I I just trust this Falcons offense so much more. And I know Aaron Rodgers has been on an absolute crazy streak since he said run the table, but when you really look at the numbers, so has Matt Ryan. He's just been doing it the entire season, so it's not as... I don't know, it doesn't stand out as much or it, because he didn't say he was going to do it before he did it. It seems to not have not have resonated with people, but th- they're averaging crazy amounts of points per game. They're averaging 33.8 points per game. It, it's phenomenal. I think both teams will get to 30 points very easily. I think the over is uh, well and truly a good bet in this one. Uh, the last time they met, it was 33-32, and the, and the Falcons were three-point favorites, so... The Falcons are a relatively the same team, uh, despite losing Desmond Trufant, and the Packers they are probably playing a lot better, but they will be missing Jordy Nelson, and Devante Adams will be playing with an injury, and Morgan Burnett is very questionable as well, and he might uh, you know miss this game, which gives the the, the Falcons passing attack a huge advantage because. You know, we've seen the Packers get torched by, like, Matt Barkley, Sam Bradford, Eli Manning all had, like, season highs against his Packers secondary. They're 28th in DVOA against number one wide receivers. I think Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, they're going to score points at will. And if Green Bay can't keep up uh, early in this game, we saw it last week, Atlanta just got to stomp you, and they'll just keep scoring and run away with it.
1: Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I think that it's fair to take Green Bay to cover just because it, it's, you know, it does sort of reek of that field goal type of game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if anyone has the ability to, you know, stop the, you know, proverbial table running, it is the Atlanta Falcons. It is Kyle Shanahan that team. I mean, because Matt Ryan, to your point, is playing on par with Aaron Rodgers and he's got more friends than Aaron Rodgers does. If I were to tell you, if I were to just set hypothetically the number of combined throws between the two quarterbacks at 77.5, would you take the over or the under there?
0: I'd probably lean the under, only because I know Atlanta will will run the ball a lot, and I think that's what they want to do is, of the two teams, they have the best chance at really controlling the clock and using that, that one-two punch of Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman to really tire out those linebackers in in you know Martinez Jake Ryan Joe Thomas and and try and right. wear out Mike Daniels to lessen his impact in, in pass rushing then I think you might see a bit more of a balanced attack from the Falcons
1: that's fair I just this this seems like it's going to be made out to be a Matt Ryan Aaron rodgers thing and it seems like it's going to live up to that and um I think this is a big legacy defining game for Matt Ryan. Yeah, you, know, you think about the last time we saw him in an NFC championship game, really didn't go that well for him, obviously.
0: Yeah, and it it's yeah, unfortunately, it was a it was a hell of a game, but this this game I feel like is going to be built up to Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers and I feel like both could play outstanding, both could have, you know, 350 yards and four touchdowns apiece, but I think this game could be swayed by just something else, something really minor, like a, a special teams fumble or a special teams takeaway or, or a punt return for a touchdown, just something that'll really just affect this game. And, and you know, you see it all the time, plays like that affect legacy because if it happens again, Matt Ryan's record in the playoffs doesn't look crash hot. And if it happens again, Aaron Rodgers has lost, you know, another NFC championship game, but ultimately it could be something that's just not, is completely out of their hands.
1: Right. And to that exact point, you think about the playoff game, the Atlanta Falcons have won this season. And I think there's no disputing. We talked about it. The shifting moment in that game was the penalty on the Devin Hester insane punt return. I mean, if that if that doesn't happen, to, your, to, the, to the point, I mean, maybe the Seahawks win. Matt Ryan's playoff record looks even worse. Russell Wilson is billed as this larger, you know, emphatic guy. And this NFC Championship game is happening at Lambeau. Packers-Seahawks, what that's been, the fail Mary, you know, the rematch from two years ago. I mean, it's it's insane to, to think about it exactly. I mean, how much of individual legacies revolve around total and complete things that they don't control at all. Exactly.
0: Looking at this, obviously, the start of the Seahawks game, that they really ran the rock against Atlanta, uh, and Atlanta's 29th in, in rush defensive DVOA, uh, so they're really bad against the run, and obviously losing Adrian Claiborne really hurts them, but the Packers aren't that great at running the football. Their leading rush the last time they played was actually Aaron Rodgers, who had 60 rush yards on, on six scrambles, and, and a few of those were first downs, but can you see them having success this time around now that Tom Montgomery is obviously playing it a lot better and their, their offensive line is one of the most underrated in the NFL They're, They've been in terms of run blocking. We know what they can do in pass protection, but outside of Lane Taylor, who struggles the rest of their, their, you know, uh, units pretty good at run blocking.
1: I mean, I think that the opportunities there, uh, I mean, to, to that discussion, but I don't think that if I'm the Packers, that's what I want. I think, you know, where the Cowboys failed was to capitalize on the ability to run the football. I mean, I I think we all agree that they failed to use Zeke Elliott to the degree they should have, especially down the stretch there. And so I think if you're the Packers, you want this to turn into Aaron versus Matt, because if you're the Packers, you believe you can win that. Uh, And and so I don't know if you're the Packers that you're going to, you know, even have the time to run because, The Falcons are going to score so quickly and so much, it's going to take some quick scoring, some, you know, insane multitudes of scoring just to, you know, go blow for blow in this heavyweight matchup.
0: Yeah, it is insane, but maybe, I don't know, I just. I can see Atlanta making some stops here. They've they've got some pretty good use out of Keanu Neal, the rookie who's come on well the last couple of weeks. Oh, so good. And uh, Ricardo Allen's been pretty good, and even Jalen Collins. I know he got torched a few times, but that was against Paul Richardson and, and Doug Baldwin, who have blazing speed. I don't really see anyone on this Packers team that really can match that type of speed. So I think Dan Quinn probably fancies himself a chance, and he actually has an impressive record against Aaron Rodgers he's 1 and 0 as a head coach against him and then 3 and 0 as Seattle's defensive coordinator. So he's he's done a pretty good job against him but he's never had sort of the worst red zone D in the NFL, which is what the Falcons are. So there's a little bit of a problem on that end but if they can keep them out of the red zone and force an early punt and then just keep scoring points, I think that's mm-hmm. that's their recipe.
1: Yeah, and and you know at it at some point rely on Aaron to make a mistake just because of, you know, based on odds. And you look at it, Aaron Rodgers made the mistake against the Cowboys, the Jeff Heath interception. That's very un-Aaron Rodgers-like. But if you maximize the opportunities for mistakes, you know, obviously they're more likely to happen. I think you're right. I think if you're Dan Quinn, you're just just trying to hold on to that. And you're just trying to to bury him. And, you know, and that's why I think that the run game will be far more utilized on the Atlanta side of things because they have – you know, the capacity to do it. And I think that it's it's going to be, um, you know, I think you're right. I think it may not be the offensive explosion that it sort of feels like it's going to be. I think it might turn into a slower pace game, but ultimately have those peaks and valleys of speed and, and slow down depth.
0: Yep. C- can you see Atlanta getting pass rush on Rogers? That was that's my concern is when I look at it I think you know you know Backtiari is one of the best left tackles in the NFL he'll pretty much neutralize that left-hand side of the field but so ultimately I think this matchup is hugely based upon whether Vic Beasley can can get past Brian Balaga and Balaga had his number back when they played but Beasley's been a lot better since then but I think that that's the key matchup when I look at this match I feel like every other matchup I can I can really pinpoint a winner and a loser but this one I think ultimately I I don't know which way to lean with this particular matchup.
1: That's fair. And, and I mean, I think Vic Beasley probably loses more often than, you know, he'd want to in this game. But what's interesting is the Dwight Freeney element. I mean, because Dwight Freeney just has a tendency. I mean, it's almost a habit of coming up with the big play in games like this, moments like yep. this where where he's needed and you know we're gonna, and, and you can already smell it. We're gonna get that storyline one way or another because somebody has to win this game. About the veteran pass rusher who's looking, you know, to get some, you know, ring before he's out of here. Whether it's Dwight Freeney or Julius Juice Peppers, Peppers yeah. for the Packers. I mean, so you've, yeah, I think that you were talking about. There's gonna be a, a weird, not a weird play, but a random play, something that that pivots this game one way or another. I think it might rely on the veteran old man pass rusher. And you've got another one on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's pretty crazy when you think about
0: it. It is. It is. It is crazy. You know, three or four. And then you could even probably throw in someone like Rob Ninkovich as well for the, for the Patriots. That's true. That's, Good point. that's been a journeyman for, for a long time. Uh, all right. What's your score prediction for this game and a bowl prediction for this game?
1: Oh, man. I will go Falcons 37, Packers 34. And uh, but bold prediction—he just took
0: Atlanta minus five it off.
1: <laughs> I know, I know, but I, but so that's but the bold prediction here
0: okay. is
1: that um, that Atlanta just you know that this isn't a game, you know it, it's Atlanta just starts off hot and just this never becomes a thing that Aaron, Aaron scores and maybe makes it interesting. Uh, maybe. You think a
0: late backdoor cover there to just push it. You think it might be like 37-28 and they score with a couple of seconds left or whatever.
1: Yeah, some, something like that. And I think, you know, um, I think, but so to get even more, you know, definitive with the bold prediction, I think my boy Dwight Freeney here, I think he hits the sack fumble recovery, the hat trick.
0: Wow. Okay. There we go. That's an interesting bold prediction. My, uh, my score line here is Atlanta- uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a uh, oh, it's tough I'm gonna go 38 to 34 victory here uh, for the Atlanta Falcons I think uh, they'll win but uh, I think Green Bay will cover ultimately I think uh, it'll be the last team to have possession of the ball wins uh, and uh, that's that's the way I can see it so whether that's gonna be a field goal. Or, a, you know, a touchdown to put them four points in front. I don't know how that works out math wise, but I just, that's what I'm going with. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just get off my back, Dad. All right. No. Uh, <laughs>
1: and I do think there's going to be something crazy. I mean, you, you think two years ago when the Dez catch happened, the, the following week, Green Bay goes to Seattle, and the slew of craziness there was unreal. I mean, so I think we're going to see something that destroys Twitter at one point.
0: Yeah, that was that was gonna be my bold prediction is someone a random a random player is, is gonna be the hero of this game and I, I for some reason I keep thinking it's gonna be like a random like defensive back like a Brian Poole or a Ricardo Allen or even a Kamal Ishmael. Um, I'm just feeling one of these Falcons defensive backs is gonna make a play on, on Aaron Rodgers or on special teams and and make a play and that's that's what I'm I'm thinking of but I'll, if I'm going to lock into something I think Ricardo Allen will be involved in a uh special teams touchdown or a uh or a uh, turnover I
1: really want to see I saw it once in an Oklahoma State game I want to see Ricardo Allen you know like an errant pass thrown out of bounds Literally jump into the out of bounds airspace and bat the ball back in bounds okay. to his teammate that'll for do, the interception.
0: That'll that'll meet the needs of uh, of uh, my bold prediction. All and, right, let's uh, let's move on to the second game, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Foxborough to take on New England. The total game score ten point less fifty and a half. We've got New England minus five and a half at a dollar ninety one. So five and a half lines for both. These games on William Hill. Gamble responsibly. Plus five and a half for New England. Dollar ninety one. 91. Initial thoughts on this game for me just centers around Le'Veon Bell, and I think he's the most important player in this game. Uh, he is he is the most important player. And I heard this, uh, I read this somewhere, or, or heard this somewhere, but ninety yards is the magic number in this game. And um, New England haven't allowed a ninety yard rusher in twenty four games. And Pittsburgh are undefeated this season when Bell has 90-plus rushing yards. So I think that's the key. New England are fourth in rush defense in DVOA. So that's that's going to be the key uh, for for, uh, for for the Patriots is shutting down Le'Veon Bell. And if anyone can shut down Le'Veon Bell, it is Bill Belichick who does an absolutely phenomenal job of, of shutting down opposing teams' number one weapons.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any denying that this is Le'Veon Bell's stage. And, you know, he called himself Steph Curry, which was, uh, you know, obviously very humble uh, in terms of how he's revolutionizing the running back <laughs> position. Um,
0: I can just imagine you're rolling your eyes as you're saying that.
1: I am. Yes, uh, but, nailed it. <laughs> um, is correct. You know, what I will say is Le'Veon Bell's not Facebook-living things, and you have to be doing that to be a true trailblazer in the NFL uh, in my mind, which is why I'm an Antonio Brown fan, but
0: <laughs>
1: Le'Veon Bell is, I, I remember a, a long time ago, I, I mean, like three years ago listening to, uh, to Dave Damashek's podcast. and I remember he compared him to LaShawn McCoy and Daniel Jeremiah laughed and was like, come on, be real here. And he was like, no, 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 and, you know, whatever. And I mean, Le'Veon Bell has turned into this dynamic playmaker and I, I don't know that New England has seen anybody like him all season long. It, you know, it, to to the capacity he's going to be at in this game. He is cooking uh, with gas right now. And I think that when you take the killer bees, as people want to call them, which is a name that I also am rolling my eyes at, I think that Pittsburgh's <laughs> offense, while it's not the same uh, potency as Atlanta's, I think that Pittsburgh's offense right now – is at a level that it's just going to be too much for even the mighty New England Patriots to handle. New England just doesn't you – know, you look at what the the Packers have. They seemingly have a little bit more to contend with the Falcons. I, I know that obviously the Patriots have Tom Brady, but I just don't feel like there's enough here. I feel like there's a significant gap, and I think the Steelers are are in some pretty prime position this week.
0: I, I agree with all of that. I just worry about their record up there, and I just I don't know if the Patriots can play that bad two games in a row. Um, we've, we do, we don't see it very often. Brady's 4-0 and outright at home versus Pittsburgh's, had 15 touchdowns and zero interceptions against them, and head coach Bill Belichick's 9-3 and against the Steelers, and the only loss he had at Foxborough was in 2008 when he had Matt Castle as his quarterback. So all the trends and all the all the points are pointing to new england here
1: that's true and i mean look they're they're trends they're, i don't even think they're trends at this point they're just fact they're data they're you know they're almost um, you know cemented uh expectations but it, it does it has felt all season long like new england is I don't want to say on the decline. I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. But it, it has felt like they have not been at the height of their power,
0: and they haven't been I tested mean, last, yet properly.
1: Ex- exactly. Um, and when they, they did, were, they mean, lost. They, yeah, they were tested by the greatest quarterback of all time in Andrew Dalton, um, as we uh, discussed. <laughs> uh, a few, I was, you I was know. thinking
0: Russell Wilson when they lost to Seattle, but yes,
1: <laughs> right, same thing. Um, and I just, you know there's so much to be said about how this is really the first time that the, the Steelers playmakers are playing together in the playoffs. And I mean, they're, you know, they're dangerous. And to your point about not being tested, they haven't been tested like this uh, arguably since, you know, from for at least from a defensive standpoint, the new England Patriots standpoint, I mean, at least since the middle of last season. And so while all of the trends and all the data do suggest that this is the Patriots to lose, I think the Steelers are in a position to come in here and get the upset just because, you know, they're better right now in my mind.
0: Mm. It, it is it is so hard to really weigh up what the Patriots have played. You know, their defense is overrated because they've, you know, they've had to play these clown cars of quarterbacks. Mm. And you know, some of these teams have great defenses and people point that out, you know, you know Brady went nuts at, against the Baltimore Ravens, and, you know, albeit it was after Jimmy Smith went down in the numbers and the splits of the Ravens secondary with Jimmy Smith and without Jimmy Smith is like Chris Harris, to Lee like which is just a whole different story. But it it's it's a lot easier to eventually win, win and get start throwing and, and getting on these defenses when the other side of the ball isn't driving the football, giving you a short field all the time and, and not scoring points. So... We know the Steelers can do this, and I know they failed in the red zone last week, but they still drove up and down the field all over the Kansas City defense, which I think is a better defense than the Patriots defense. Big Ben was only pressured three times against the Chiefs, and that's a pass rush with Tamba Harley, Justin Houston, D. Ford, and this Steelers offensive line is barely getting mentioned at all, and they are uh, phenomenal. I think they're probably the best unit in this game when you when you really look at it.
1: I think that's fair. And I think that I, I think that Antonio Brown, I mean, we didn't have really mentioned him except for his brilliant Facebook Live moment. <laughs> I mean, and, Antonio Brown is the most dangerous vertical weapon in the game. And, I mean, th- there just seems like there's going to be too much here um, for the Patriots. I think, I don't want to say they'll be exposed, but I think that this will have caught up to them. I mean, you know, we've talked about how they seemingly catch some breaks and some lower-level competition. Well, I mean, then you get the big boys coming into town, and things are a whole lot different. And if anyone on this earth can handle that, it is Bill Belichick, which is what makes this game fascinating. But I just lean on the side of what we've seen and what we've seen be impressive. And you're right, that Chiefs defense is – extremely talented and the way the Steelers managed to get it done last week is inspiring
0: yep and this this game is a is a rematch um they met earlier this year just like the NFC championship game is a rematch and the Patriots won 27-16 against uh Landry Jones but it was only 14-10 at halftime and the Patriots had Rob Rob Gronkowski so you eliminate Rob Gronkowski for the Patriots you you bring in Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers, and the 5.5 spread seems a little bit crazy to me. I'm going to take Pittsburgh plus 5.5, but I still think New England are going to find a way to win. Um, they just seem to have fumble luck and field goal luck in New England, and so I'm going to I'm going to tip uh, New England to win by a field goal, and my bold prediction is that there is going to be a missed field goal that seals them the victory yet again in New England. I'm going to take uh, them 27-24.
1: Interesting. See, you and I share feelings about elite quarterbacks. Yours are about Tom Brady's and mine are about Aaron Rodgers. It's just the same level of distaste. Uh, but obviously, <laughs> I, I like
0: Tom Brady, uh, but I just feel like he he gets a lot of credit without people f- realizing that he's been in the exact same scheme and under the greatest ever coach of all time. And that's a clear advantage over anyone ever that has ever played the quarterback position.
1: That's fair, and what really hit the nail on the head for me was when you brought up luck, and that's that's how I feel a lot about Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't at all, you know, diminish how great he is, but you think about that play that he and Ty Montgomery had against the Cowboys, where Aaron wasn't even looking when the snap hit him in the hands, and he was still able to hand yeah. it off perfectly. I mean, those types of things seem to only happen to Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. It's amazing, um, and so while you do uh, respect. Tom Brady I know that uh, a a little part of you would be happy to see him lose this game and so I am going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers obviously to cover but to win this game and I think that the Steelers win 30 to 24 I think it is um, I think it's a last-second sort of thing that is pretty epic, and I think business is booming. And I really hope that Facebook Live gets cranking up after this. <laughs> and my bold prediction is that we see just an insane catch by a Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver that's not named Antonio Brown. Um, kind of like you know you think about Martavis Bryant against the Bengals last playoffs and, yep. and something like that. But a secondary bold prediction that won't totally be known this day that this game is being played. I think that this is Phil Sims's last game. Uh, God, I hope so.
0: God, God I hope so. Uh, probably because Jim Irsay will bring him on to be general manager of the Colts, but anyway, and we'll just <laughs> kick field goals. We'll never score touchdowns. Um, interesting. We've got a different range of results here on um, what we think is going to happen. I have to mention as well that uh, the uh, preseason prediction show that we do here on uh, the Wooten Wise show... I've actually gone against my my prediction. Uh, We Woot and I are actually... One of us is going to be right on the AFC side of things. Uh, He picked uh, New England at Green Bay in the Super Bowl. I picked Pittsburgh at Green Bay in the Super Bowl. But I'm actually tipping Atlanta in this game. So uh, I'm going against my preseason prediction. I'm just covering myself here. So I'll either be right now or right all those weeks ago, which is far more impressive um, given limited knowledge.
1: That's really respectable. And... You know, there are some interesting things at play here that I don't think we totally think about. If I happen to be right here, Falcons Steelers, we have a Super Bowl with two teams that wear black helmets. That's a really cool thing. Um, yeah,
0: also, if this
1: winds up being Packers Steelers, the two would end up squaring off in the Super Bowl six years later after they did in Super Bowl 45, both of them in Texas. I don't, I'm quite That's the Super Bowl weird. historian. I don't think that any two teams have. Played in two separate Super Bowls that both occurred in the same state, let alone in secession in that same That's state. Obviously, conspiracy the theory la- stuff. Yeah. Yeah. These are consecutive Super Bowls played in Texas, Super Bowl 45 and Super Bowl uh, 51 now. I think that would be, I mean, I'm rooting for the, the Falcons here, but I think that'd be really interesting.
0: I, I find that fascinating. I love that you're a, a Super Bowl historian. We might have to get you on uh, when Josh gets back just to talk about. Super Bowl history in in all the different when we have the matchup set and all the different uh, facts and data and scenarios that you'll uh, manage to conjure up there. I, I forgot to mention as well in, in this new this uh, New England Pittsburgh game is that you know the Steelers defense is much improved. We haven't even talked about the the New England offense on how on how they will go, but this Steelers defense is has been much better down the stretch, allowing seventeen point three points per game in their seven game winning streak. So it, you know, I know they had tough time against Houston last week, and when you got pressure on Tom Brady, he's he's nowhere near as effective. He didn't complete fifty percent of his passes last week. And James Harrison, and then like even the emergence now the last few weeks of Bud Dupree's been big. Javon mm-hmm. Hargrave has been a, a, a favorite of mine to watch. Stephon Chewitz leads the league in interior quarterback pressure, funnily enough, and uh, leads the Steelers sorry, the team in, in interior quarterback, not the league. That would be insane. But uh, this this front. Seven, you know, front four. Your Ryan Shazier is shot out of a cannon. I don't know if um I don't know if Tom Brady will get as much protection as he thinks.
1: Yeah, and to to that notion, if you end up, I mean, this Steelers defense is not the Texans defense, but if you end up in that similar situation, if if you'd given the Texans last week even a fifty percent of this Steelers offense. We're talking about a different AFC championship game Absolutely. here. And so, so I think that that's kind of the recipe for how this gets done for the Steelers.
0: Yeah, I think when you look back at that matchup, obviously this Pittsburgh offense is, you know, 2,000% better than Houston's offense. And then this Pittsburgh's probably 50% of the Texans' defense. So when you look at the matchup, it's it's marginally more difficult for New England, although they, they can't possibly play that bad two weeks in a row. Uh, if I say four touchdowns for Le'Veon Bell, The reason I say four is New England have only allowed four rushing touchdowns to running backs all season. So Mm. I would love to see him cross the line four times in this game. Allow four in one game after only allowing four all season to seal the win. That would be a pretty capable uh that 90 yard 90 yards rushing uh if i put the over under at 90 and a half are you taking the over or the under
1: i am taking the under and i actually think the four touchdowns is more likely Cause i and i think that that would have to, you'd have to get some you know Antonio gets tackled at the three yard line type of situations. And then they just punch it in. But I think that's more likely than him breaking 90
0: yards. You're, you're expecting a big game from Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown by the, by the sounds of things.
1: I do think so. I mean, just because there is going to be such a heavy concern with Le'Veon Bell. And, and that's, that's mm. the, the trick, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the plight that teams are in when they have to face this team. And it's, it's pick who you want to deal with. And, I think that right now Le'Veon Bell is a little bit hotter, and and we've almost kind of forgotten about Antonio, unless, again, I'll say it again in case you didn't hear me. You watched his Facebook Live, which was marvelous. (laughs) Um, But I think that Antonio Brown, uh, you know, there's that commercial that he has with Malcolm Butler that is – I don't know if you've seen it. uh, It's like a Visa commercial. That's going to be a great matchup to watch. If you remember the season opener after New England was defending their Super Bowl forty-nine title, it was that game that we said, oh, "Wait a minute, Malcolm Butler is actually not good. just a Super Bowl hero." Yeah, I mean, and so that's going to be a great matchup to watch. But I think Antonio Brown wins most of the time on Sunday.
0: Yep, and you mentioned that matchup. Uh, Brown has fifteen catches for two hundred and thirty yards and a touchdown in two games when Pat's cornerback Malcolm Butler has shadowed him. So. Uh, that sounds like a lot, but when you talk about Antonio Brown's usual rate and, and, and yardage and, and touchdowns, it's it's not too bad. And uh, I think Westling, Chris Wesling posted an interesting stat in terms of yards per play allowed by Brown was marginally less uh, against Butler. But that obviously was only off the matchup this year where Landry Jones was quarterback. So just recapping from our picks... Uh, R.J. Achara is predicting a Atlanta-Pittsburgh Super Bowl. I'm predicting an Atlanta-New England Super Bowl. But you need to lock one down for our lock of the week. The wooten Y Lock of the Week. Proudly brought to you by William Hill. Faster,
1: easier betting.
0: You can only go one or two ways, obviously. But what's your lock of the week?
1: You know, I know this is going to sort of confuse you because I'm kind of going back and forth with how this is going to work. But I, it's it's gonna I'm going to make it work. Lock of the Week is the Atlanta Falcons. I think that the Atlanta Falcons offense is unlike anything the Packers have seen lately, and I think it's going to punch them in the mouth, and I'm going to smile the whole time.
0: All right. Well, I'll go to the different game. I think Pittsburgh will keep things close, and I think they'll cover at 5.5, and, and the predictions are it's going to sort of move out to about six points before kickoff. So if you can get six points for pittsburgh i think that would be uh the way to go but i uh, i think a, a field goal or four points will be in that uh new england game and we'll wait and see so uh two just barn burner matchups it's going to be just phenomenal game i love championship weekend last year was hella fun that denver new england game was just really special i had it's had so much meaning uh to it and i think uh, we'll see a, a really great one in that green bay atlanta game and then if pittsburgh can uh, have an upset there and, and create some shockwaves for the NFL then we're in for a really really good day
1: yeah and you know people have said this is the best four quarterbacks in the game right now and it's it's probably a fair thing to say at least at this time of year yep. and and that's what you want you want you know you know you want to see those types of games especially two weeks ago in the wildcard round we had to stomach some awful playoff games and um you know I, I joke about it, but I look for the narratives. I look for the stories. I look for the cool, fun things. And, you know, we've got you, you look at Falcons, Packers, ATL versus GB. And then you got PIT versus N E. you got in both games, a team that's got three letters in their abbreviation and a team that's got two <laughs> things like this are beautiful that they just happen coincidentally. And I, I'm just I'm really excited about it.
0: I'm looking for a drop to play after that but I just couldn't find anything. Uh, <coughs> actually I do have one on it. They better check themselves before they wreck themselves, God. That's all I can say, but uh you truly I love that you truly just looked down on the paper to find anything to uh to uh add just every aspect of this game. We've covered every aspect whether it's the abbreviations, the helmet colors, DVOA, <laughs> Uh, you know, yards per attempt, you know, why Matt Ryan's a great deep thrower and Julio Jones are going to torch Ladarius Gunter and why, you know, Le'Veon Bell's going to run for 91 yards. And we've covered everything. So if you want more than that, then obviously go somewhere else because that's one of the most comprehensive <laughs> uh, previews of, of championship weekend you're going to get anywhere in, in the world or on the internet or podcast, whatever. Uh, and that uh, pretty much wraps up the show.
1: Yeah, and I can guarantee, the, the RJ Ochoa guarantee, ain't nobody giving you a preview like we just did.
0: No, uh-uh. exactly. Not word for word. That's that's a fact and a guarantee. Not word for word. You're <laughs> going to get that anywhere else. Uh, before we run, uh, RJ Ochoa, I mentioned your handle at the start of the show, at RJ Ochoa, because the people love you, the people demand you, the people respect you. Uh, where, where can people find your other work and, and what your other work is?
1: Uh, well, so I uh, primarily discuss the Dallas Cowboys, the uh, greatest team on earth. Second greatest being the Indianapolis Colts, of course. <laughs> and, um, you know, oh, so oh, if you oh, want oh, to read oh, that oh, stuff, oh, you oh, can oh, at oh, InsideTheStar.com oh. where I serve as a staff writer. But, um, you know, the thing I enjoy most is every day I host a live-streamed Periscope. I've never really figured out exactly how to describe it, uh, but a live-streamed Periscope podcast, kind of. It's great. Quite, uh, I love it. And it's it's called Ocho Live. You can watch every day on Twitter, Periscope, or Facebook Live, uh, approximately 3 p.m. Central Time. Or you can listen to the audio version on the podcast. You can subscribe all the major places, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, or the Cowboy Sports Radio app on vSporto. And just recently, actually uh, created a Facebook page for Ocho Live, so you should go like that.
0: I will. I haven't like. liked that yet. I will go in and give that a like. I might share that on the Woot and Why Facebook page. That's just the Woot and Why. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter, at Woot and Why. You can like us on Facebook, as I just said. We're also on Instagram, at NFL Podcast. We're not very active on that, though. But anyway, just give it a like. Anyway, brand, hashtag brand, hashtag content. Whatever you like. Um, and I just need to mention as well, Lunar Bowl. I had a meeting this week. The venue is amazing. Um, we decided to to move it on the other side of Lunar Park. So it actually overlooks Sydney Harbour, and you can see the Harbour Bridge and and everything. And it's just the sun goes in there in the, in the morning, and then once we close the curtains and put the screens up, it's just going to be a phenomenal day. So please buy tickets for that. I know 150 is steep, but you're getting unlimited beverages, and the way it's set up, you won't have to leave your seat. You'll be getting beers and food delivered to you on demand throughout the game. I, I guarantee you'll have a, a great time, and we're uh, really excited on what we have in store for you. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, at JYNFL. As I said, you can follow RJ choa at, at RJ Ochoa. I can't thank him enough for joining me on the show. And uh, we'll be back to preview and recap Championship Weekend and the Super Bowl. Go!